Welcome to the Treble Health Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Thompson, audiologist and founder of Treble Health. This podcast is supported by treblehealth.com, the nation's leading telehealth service for tinnitus and hearing loss treatment. Thank you for being here on our podcast and make sure to subscribe to get our newest episodes sent straight to you. Let's get ahead with today's episode. I'm Dr. Michelle Neidelman Kennedy. I prefer just to go by Dr. Michelle or Michelle has a really long last name. And I'm going to be discussing what is habituation and how can I get there? Because it's one of the most common questions that I'm asked day in, day out when I'm working with individuals who have tinnitus. And I feel like it's a term that many individuals don't even encounter until they're starting to deal with tinnitus. So today we're going to go over what is habituation how can it be achieved, and how can it be maintained? So here are a few definitions, and I feel like the definitions are really an important part of understanding what habituation is because it isn't a term that only refers to tinnitus. It's a term that refers to many things that we experience day in, day out. So the Oxford Dictionary defines habituation as the diminishing of of physiological or emotional response to a frequently repeated stimulus. Merriam-Webster's dictionary says it's a decrease in responsiveness upon repeated exposure to a stimulus. The Cambridge dictionary, the process of people or animals becoming used to something so that they no longer find it unpleasant or think it is a threat. When we look at it from a more psychological standpoint, the American Psychological Association defines habituation as, in general, the process of growing accustomed to a situation or stimulus and the diminished effectiveness of a stimulus in eliciting a response following repeated exposure to the stimulus. So you should already be able to see how it can be linked directly to tinnitus, seeing as tinnitus is something that some that an individual is repeatedly experiencing and being exposed to. And naturally, the goal is that you stop reacting to it, stop noticing it, get accustomed to it so that it no longer is something that's grabbing your attention and focus. So that's why I feel like everybody's striving for some form of habituation when they're dealing with tinnitus. But it's important to know a little bit more about habituation. So habituation is something that we as humans are able to do, and we begin to habituate to various stimuli as soon as we're born. It's an innate skill and innate ability that we have. We habituate to things based off of our five senses. So things that we taste, smell, hear, see, or feel, we habituate, we get used to them. We we get used to the type of food that we grow up with, depending on what cuisines we're most exposed to, the spices, the salt, the pepper. We get used to the smells of our home environment. We continue to habituate to things throughout our entire lives. And we do them, we do so on a regular basis, even without our own awareness or knowledge. And we continue to habituate to things that we're experiencing, not only within our own bodies, but also things that we're experiencing from our environments that we usually find ourselves in. One of my daughters, my oldest one, of just a few days old, newborns initially cry a lot. They're being exposed to so many different types of um, feelings, temperature changes, light, sounds. Now it's the first time that they're actually feeling sense of hunger and thirst because when they're in utero, all of these things are taken care of and they're in a much more controlled environment. So naturally a newborn cries, but there's a lot more to their crying. And it's about learning to habituate to this new environment that they are finding themselves in. 
But as you can see, within a few days, they get used to wearing diapers, wearing clothes. In the case of Adeline, wearing hair bows. It's, again, something that we're innately capable of doing. Here's another example. Depending on where you live, where you grew up, where you find yourself, seeing one of these animals outside your window hanging out on a tree could elicit completely different responses from you. For me, seeing a squirrel outside doesn't really strike any interest in me. I'm so used to seeing squirrels running around that I wouldn't even think twice. I don't even know if I would really notice a squirrel in the tree. But, you know, when I've traveled places that had monkeys just hanging around, I can guarantee that I was super excited and interested in seeing what all the monkeys were doing in the trees, where they were going. I was also curious, interested. And if you ever, if you ever find yourself in a jungle, I'm sure you would be even more frightful and fearful of seeing, um, this Jaguar hanging out in a tree, you know? So depending on what you're used to seeing, you're going to have different types of emotional reactions to them. Here's another example of ways that we can habituate in the sense of, for our sense of smell, for example, if you walk into this animal shelter, one of the first things you're going to be hit with is the strong odor of all of these dogs hanging out. But within a few minutes of, you know, looking at who to adopt, or if you're volunteering there, you're going to find that you're not as aware of how stinky the animal shelter really is. You've grown used to it. But if you come back another day, again, you might experience that same hit of, wow, this is not the best smelling place. And once again, within a few minutes, you'll find that you're barely noticing the odor anymore. Much the same way, even good smells, smells of like our laundry, the detergent that we use, or the the perfumes that we wear, the shampoo that we use. We get so used to them that initially, if you switch detergents, you might notice the smell on your clothes when you do a fresh batch of laundry. But after a while, you're no longer noticing it. And this is because of habituation. It's not to say that your brain isn't receiving that information, but it's gotten so used to it that it no longer feels the need to highlight it and remind you of it. Here's another example with sounds. There's so many times where we'll be driving in a car and we barely notice the sound of our own car engine, the radio playing, the road noise. And it's not that these sounds aren't occurring. It's just that, again, they're not interesting enough for our brain to maintain its focus or attention on. Much the same way at home, you may not always listen or hear the refrigerator or dishwasher running after it gets going. These are sounds that after a while, our brain knows what they are. It has a clear definition of where they're coming from. It understands that there's no significance behind them, meaning it doesn't impact you in any way. And since it's mostly constant and non-changing, our brain, again, doesn't really notice it. But if something were to change, like the refrigerator stops running or the music on the radio just cuts out suddenly, your focus is going to be brought back to that. But when it is constant and playing and there in the background, our brain just does this amazing job of filtering it out. But once again, it's still hearing, it's still listening. It just isn't doesn't feel the need to attend or bring your focus and your conscious attention to it. So with habituation, there are things that we automatically and unconsciously habituate to, but there are other times that there are sounds, smells, sights that are more difficult for us to habituate to, and it can almost seem that we're unable to ignore or get used to them. And this is due to our physiological and emotional response to whatever the thing is. So in our case, it's tinnitus, the sound of tinnitus is eliciting some form of physiological or emotional response that makes it more difficult for you to ignore and not pay attention to. 
the more we react to something, the less likely we're going to be able to ignore it. And if we perceive something to a greater extent, it's usually because it matters to us. So we can't habituate to something that we perceive to be a threat or a problem. And you have to remember that this is something that our brains are programmed to do. It's really a part of why we survive. It's our safety and survival purposes that our brain uses to make sure that we're not going to accidentally forget something that could be harmful to our life. And this can also relate back to the flight or fight mode, where something that's really threatening, dangerous, urgent, sets our mind and body into this flight or fight mode where we're trying to figure out what we need to do in order to protect ourselves. In the wild, for example, an animal that's the prey of another animal, it can't ignore certain signs that their predator is nearing. So they're going to be acutely aware of different sights, smells, or sounds, any kinds of cues that tell them their life might be in in harm's way. And that's part of why they're not going to be able to habituate to certain things. And we wouldn't want them to habituate to that because again, if they habituated to that, that would mean the end for them. And that's part of what happens also within us as humans. When we get into that flight or fight mode, we start to feel as though we're, you know, in a state of threat, threatening, um, in a state of danger where we're not sure what's going to happen and we don't feel like ourselves. Fortunately, though, as humans, most of the things that we're going to encounter in our lives aren't as life-threatening as the example of an, an animal prey versus predator. But we do have other things that do threaten our emotional and physical well-being on a regular basis. And these threats can be difficult for us to habituate to until we really learn how we can adjust to them psychologically and physically. So we have to start to alter how we're reacting to things in order for those threats to seem less threatening. And our experiences that we've had, not just in the moment that we're dealing with the stressor, for example, tinnitus, but also all of the experiences that we've had in our lives will impact how easily or difficult it is for us to habituate to something as well as how quickly it, it, it takes us to get into that um, fight or flight mode. So if someone, for example, has had a lot of experiences with high stressful events throughout their lifetime, it doesn't take much for them to get into that fight or flight mode, that high state of anxiety and stress. Another individual who maybe has had less of those episodes throughout their life It will take them a lot longer to get into that extremely stressed state because they haven't had so many experiences. Again, based off of like the experiences that we've had and how they relate to our ability to habituate to things, someone who's grown up with dogs all their life, they're usually not afraid of dogs, no matter the size, the type, the breed. But an individual who hasn't grown up with dogs, if they, and for example, they may have gotten bit by a dog at one one point in their life they're going to be very much aware of the presence of any dogs in their vicinity. So if they hear a dog barking or they hear a collar jingling, or they hear that sound like that dogs just like jump, you know, um, stood up on a metal fence, they're going to notice that because their experiences have not been positive ones and they've been viewed as threats or, or dangerous situations. And for that reason, they're not going to be able to habituate or ignore any of those signs. But someone who has had more positive and neutral experiences with the same thing could be walking down the same street and not notice any of the dogs barking in all the different neighbors' yards. So in general, anything that we continue to react to positively or negatively will be harder for us to ignore, harder for us to habituate to, 
harder for us to get used to. And in much the same way, things that we are interested in or curious about will also maintain our focus. So it doesn't always have to be like one extreme or the other. If we're interested in something, we're going to notice it more. So if, if, for example, you're into bird watching and you're walking in the park, you're going to notice more of the birds chirping than someone else who may not really be interested at all in whatever birds are in the area. They're not even going to notice. They could literally leave the park and be asked, "Have you? did you hear any of those birds? And they would say, no, I didn't notice it, but it's because they had no interest in it. So our interest factor, the our reaction, whether something's positive or negative determines how much of our brain's attention and focus will be maintained on that type of um, that stimulus. And the key to habituation is that we really need to get to a place of complete indifference. But one of the first steps to get there is that we have to actually start to accept the presence of that stimulus. And that's one of the things that I've seen be most, one of the most difficult things for a lot of the patients that I've worked with is learning that in order to habituate, we do have to allow tinnitus into our life, meaning we have to accept that it's part of our life in order to finally get to a place where it no longer means something to us. So here we have like the sound of a doorbell. So let me just play it. And the sound of a doorbell can take on so many meanings for an individual. It could be an indication of something good that's going to happen. So the individual is feeling happy, excited, maybe their friend or family members coming over or something that they ordered a few weeks ago is finally here. But it could also elicit fear ang- or anger. It might be a stranger, you're not sure who's at the door. It could be an intruder, could even be a salesperson coming to ask you if you want new windows or siding during dinner time, or something even worse. Maybe it's bad news, someone letting you know that some, you know, your pet was just hit by a car or someone's house is on fire down the street. So depending on the experiences that you've had when the doorbell's been rung, will determine what feelings you have the next time the doorbell rings. And the context as well determines how you're going to react to certain sounds. So for example, hearing a doorbell during the day may not elicit many negative feelings or thoughts, but if you hear the doorbell ringing in the middle of the night, that maybe is more concerning and elicits a completely different response from your body. One of the key things to remember with habituation is that it doesn't mean that the stimulus has to completely go away. It doesn't have to disappear, but the impact that it has on you, your overall awareness of it and your overall perception of the stimulus has to be reduced as compared to what it was. And our brains are meant to focus on things of our choosing. So if you choose to focus on something you will and should be able to. It's more of an issue if you're trying to focus on something, for example, your tinnitus, and you can't hear it. So sometimes when individuals habituate to tinnitus, they worry that if they still are able to hear it, that means that they haven't fully habituated. But again, that's not the case because if you're trying to remember or think about tinnitus, it's normal that your brain is going to be able to bring it forward again. And the only thing to remember is that you don't want the stimulus. You don't want tinnitus to fully captivate you for long. If you've really habituated, you should be able to move your mind away from it almost as quickly as it first entered your mind, just as any other kind of thoughts or feelings that enter your mind move. You know, as soon as you think about one thing, your mind has already jumped to the next thing. And so just because you had first thought about tinnitus 
or, you know, we're reminded of tinnitus, it doesn't mean that you haven't habituated. You just need to be able to move away from it. And habituation is truly a process. It's not an all or nothing state of being. I get that a lot from patients. They'll tell me, I feel like I was habituating, but now I'm not, or I'm not, I don't think I'm ever going to get to habituation. But then they tell me that they did have a few hours the day before where they hadn't noticed their tinnitus. So I always say that habituation is an ongoing state. And eventually you do get to like a final stage where habituation truly is maintained and you're not hearing your tinnitus, thinking about it or being reminded of it frequently, if at all. But up until that point, you're going to have moments where you have habituated, you've forgotten about it. You haven't thought about it, haven't heard it, and you've grown to be less reactive to it. So since habituation is a skill that we all have inside of us, it means that we're fully capable of habituating to anything that we experience, including tinnitus. And tinnitus is perceived in exactly the same way that anything else that we hear is perceived by the brain. The brain doesn't distinguish between hearing the sound of that doorbell, hearing the sound of a dog barking, and hearing tinnitus. It's being processed at the level of the brain in exactly the same way. So some individuals do naturally habituate to tinnitus without any outside support or without really anything that they are trying to do, but others really seem to not be able to habituate on their own. And that's normal as well. It doesn't mean that if you haven't been able to naturally habituate on your own, that you're not going to be able to with some additional tools and support and education. There are some factors that make habituation more difficult. We know that these certain things make habituation harder for individuals. And a lot of them relate directly to tinnitus. So change, duration, frequency, intensity, and stress are some of the factors that really make it a lot more difficult to habituate to tinnitus. So with change, usually individuals either don't have tinnitus, don't never had tinnitus, and all of a sudden they started having tinnitus, or an individual will have had an acceptable level of tinnitus, but all of a sudden something changes, and now they have a much louder level of tinnitus, or their tinnitus seems to change frequently in either pitch or volume throughout the day. And because it does seem to change and fluctuate so much, it makes it a lot harder for them to get used to it. Duration. So tinnitus for some individuals is more constant throughout the day. And for others, it seems to pop up at different points of their day. So how long it lasts can, can make it either harder or easier for someone to habituate. And it really depends on the person because for some people having something be more steady and consistent is a little bit easier for them to get used to, but the randomness of when tinnitus is going to arise throughout their day can make it a little bit harder for them to accept the frequency. So in terms of how often you hear it in general, the more often you hear something, the less likely you are to notice it. So if someone starts hammering on a wall next to you, as soon as they start hammering, you'll notice it. But if they're hammering for like an hour after a while, you're not really hearing it as much. But our reactions are what cause us to experience the opposite, where if we really hate or dislike something, we're going to continue to notice it, even if it is very frequent that we're experiencing it. Intensity. So for many, loud, having very loud tinnitus can be a lot harder to habituate to than, let's say, having softer tinnitus. But again, like the overall volume of one's tinnitus varies greatly in terms of how it affects an individual. So some individuals might be able to tolerate really loud tinnitus if it only lasts a few seconds a day, but they really couldn't handle 
quiet stimulant, um, quiet tinnitus if it lasted their entire day. And then one of the big barriers to habituation is the overall stress and anxiety that we're under. And we know that stress and anxiety activates our autonomic nervous system, more specifically our sympathetic nervous system and our limbic system. And our sympathetic nervous system is the part of our nervous system that helps to control our heart rate and blood pressure. So when we're in very stressful situations, our heart rate and blood pressure rises. Our limbic system is the part of our brain that helps to control our emotional and behavioral responses. So these two systems get highly activated when we're experiencing stress and anxiety and can create an overactive fight or flight response or maintain, like basically keep you in that state for a much longer period if you're experiencing high levels of stress and anxiety. There are generally four stages of habituation and individuals as they habituate will go through all of these different stages and they'll spend a different amount of time at each of these stages. Typically, when someone's in a stage, they might start to notice they'll have moments where they're like in the next stage, or if they've already moved up a stage, they may still have moments where they're pretty, they feel as though they're in the previous stage. It's really normal to have that experience. But essentially what happens as we move through these four stages of habituation is that your emotional response to tinnitus keeps declining to a point where it's Now you fully accept, feel indifferent, you feel really neutral towards your tinnitus. And even if you were to hear it, you're able to redirect your focus and attention away from it. Stage one is a stage that, again, not all individuals who have tinnitus will find themselves in, but it's one where pretty much their entire day and their entire focus is on tinnitus and it's affecting them greatly in terms of sleep, their their sleep, their um, appetite their overall participation with their friends and family, the activities that they do. And they've really kind of like withdrawn from that. And as we move from stage two to stage three, we start to find more breaks from the tinnitus where you're not noticing it as much. You're feeling a little bit better. You're slowly starting to get back to your everyday life. And then, like you said, the final stage is when we've really can say we've reached habituation where You maybe don't hear tinnitus at all, or if you do, it's very brief and fleeting, and you really are in a place where you have full emotional acceptance and no longer elicits any negative feelings or thoughts in you. And for individuals with habituation, we kind of go through this process where we may, again, stay in a stage where we're moving down from stage one to stage four, and we're spending a certain amount of time in each stage, but for others... And what I most often see is we see kind of like this more jagged pattern where we may spend more time at one stage and it may feel much more acute, but nonetheless, you're still moving downwards and moving towards that final stage of habituation. And everybody's timeframe is a little bit different. And that's an important thing to remember. So everyone can habituate. It can take some time. For some, it could be days, weeks, others, months, and years. But the majority of individuals with tinnitus do habituate within a reasonable amount of time, six to 18 months is usually what the literature says. And even individuals who have tried to habituate at one point can still try at a later time and succeed. And some of the things that can be done to help you to habituate include education and counseling, more specifically like tinnitus retraining therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, and sound therapy. So learning about tinnitus, how it helps to minimize the fear factor, understanding more about how your brain and body works, understanding how our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are all connected into our ability to habituate, 
and helping to promote neuroplasticity, finding new ways to create new neural connections in our brain. Sound therapy helps to change the emotional attachment that we have to the tinnitus, helps our auditory system focus on something else other than tinnitus, helps to raise our background noise, noise floor to reduce the overall perception of tinnitus, and also helps to promote neuroplastic changes within our brain. So this is just some quick like diagrams to show how successful like tinnitus retraining therapy can be within a six, 12 and 18 month period, as opposed to individuals who haven't received any kind of treatment for managing their tinnitus. And this is an, an, a diagram to kind of show how that noise floor, the rate sound therapy helps to minimize the overall perception of tinnitus. So here we have like our general background noise, our sound of tinnitus. And then when we add in sound therapy, we're raising up the noise floor, thereby minimizing the overall impact or intensity of the tinnitus as we perceive it. And the final thing, how to maintain our habituation. One of the most important things is to keep living your life. Stop reading or researching tinnitus. Continue to practice healthy habits like meditation, relaxation, mindfulness, exercise, eating healthy. It's really important to stay on top of your physical and mental health, maintain and cultivate social relationships. That's one of the most important factors we see in people living happy and healthy lives and continue with sound therapy and cognitive behavioral techniques for three months or more, even after you start to feel like you've really reached that point of habituation. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. This is your host, Dr. Ben Thompson. If you have two minutes, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a five-star review on the Apple podcast platform for the Treble Health podcast. Thank you for your time. And if you need any services for tinnitus or hearing aids, please head over to treblehealth.com and our team of expert audiologists will be able to help you via telehealth. Have a great one and see you soon.